guitar behind me and I've cued him to play but he won't play. His so. name is Dean. Oh, you need he it. was waiting to be invited. Man with a guitar. <laughs> so basically anything you say to the man. That was great. <laughs> Good job, Dean. Here you go, Dean. Man with a guitar. We need, you know what? When we get back to St. Louis, we need this. Yes, we okay. We yeah. need this guy to just walk up behind us and start playing, you know. Hey, Dean, every time somebody says something funny here, which might not happen very often today, but let's hear sure. it. That was really funny. Let's hear it. <laughs> wow. That might be the only time you play today. And then you have to, like, you know, there's going to be some dirge, like, for a sad story. That was supposed to be funny, real nice try. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be using that one a lot, Dean. <laughs> Stay close, Dean. <laughs> Dean, you get paid to do this? Uh, this is my job. This is my job, yeah. Walt Disney World employs you, or the Animal Kingdom. My day job is working at the, uh, at the Animal Kingdom, and uh, they what tell me about job. people. I walk around. Yeah. Um, like the folks who were in line for the show that I work is called the Festival of the Lion King. Uh-huh. And they tell me about folks. And I understand you guys are JC and the U-Man. Mm-hmm. Do I have a moment? Can I write a song about JC and the U-Man Well, right we have here? names too. Yeah. Laurie Mac and Jennifer Sparks. <laughs> well, it's, it's, but that's well, too no, complicated. She's not going to remember. Yeah. It's, it's JC and the U-Man, Sparky and Mac. Sparky and Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't even need time. He's yeah. We're ready. We're on. <laughs> You man and JC, it's a fact. <laughs> the ladies tell me they would not be nothing without Sparky and Mac. <laughs> now Sparky, she's the sweetheart, the baby, it's true. And Mac, when we need to know something, the boys come to you. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun at the Animal Kingdom. Think about all the wild animals you can see. Now Sparky and Mac, they were entertained, that's a fact. What are them wild animals out there? Why that's <laughs> you man and JC. Yeah. Man and JC. Great, good job. Now that's an open. Now that's an open. John, this is the best newscast you've ever done. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before? It's like days. It is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Hi, kids. You are at jconthelion.com. It's funny hearing that old recording from the old morning showgram on K-Hits, which doesn't even exist anymore. John's got a big night coming up. They're going to be doing a roast of him in, I don't know, I think it's next week or something. The reason I'm not involved is because uh, there is such bad blood that exists between the creeps 
who run that radio station and me. All the on-air people, all the support people, all those people are great. I'm still friends with everybody. And of course, John, the U-Man Hewlett. But there's three guys who run the place and they've sort of made it their life's work of trying to eradicate my memory from anybody who ever listened to the radio station. They're trying to pretend I never worked there. Even though my contribution, if I may say so myself, was pivotal, but they don't want anybody to remember that I ever worked there. They also have never explained why that is. It's just some bizarre, sick obsession that John Kioski, Tommy Mattern, and Marty Link have with me. It's sort of spooky if you want to know something, so don't expect to see me on stage. I don't care, I got other things to do. Like, enjoy the weather, for God's sakes. You know, this is great and everything short-term, but it's not good long-term. In other words, we're watching the climate change right before our very eyes. And yeah, who doesn't want it to be 65 degrees tomorrow in the middle of February, the end of February in St. Louis? Everybody is like, that's fabulous. It's not good for the planet. Well, it's fine for the planet. It's not good for the people inhabiting the planet. That would be us. Oh, I think the planet will be here for a long time. We just won't be involved. It's sort of like shopping at Walmart. You might get a good price. But as you're driving home, you're thinking to yourself, I just did something awful. I'm supporting bad people. We've had a very, very busy morning. Tragic apartment fire in St. Charles. Two people dead that we know of as of right now. And the big story that, as far as I know, I don't know what time you're listening to the podcast, but as we put this up at 11 a.m., I'm sure it's still going on. And it's southbound 255 over in Illinois. This happened, I want to say it was probably sometime between 5 and 6 this morning, and there was some sort of collision. And it's really even hard to know what it was because the metal is so shredded up. It's hard to tell... It's hard to tell what vehicles were involved. This is horrific. Well, they had to shut down that entire stretch of 255. It's the whole bottom stretch. In other words, just south of Parks, which I don't think they call Parks anymore, but you know what I'm talking about, the airport. And then south all the way down past the quarry and into Dupo. And right before it makes that right-hand turn that takes you back into Missouri. That entire stretch, as far as I know, is still shut down and they finally started arresting people and writing tickets for people who were backing up making u-turns and then going the wrong way on 255 just to get the hell out of there so it is a mess and i won't tack on the obligatory thing that people on radio and tv always say after a story like that it's sort of like when the weather guys tell you it's gonna rain like uh, it's gonna rain really hard and we might even have some severe weather and lightning and thunder and everything on um, Wednesday night, tomorrow night going into Thursday morning. And then after they give you the whole report, they say, so you might want to take the umbrella. I don't know. Maybe it's me, but my guess is you already came up with that on your own. Oh, it's going to rain. Holy hell. I think I'll grab the umbrella. I don't really need anybody to tell me that. So when you read a story like this about the whole shutdown of 255, they always say, so you might want to avoid the area. No, no, I think you probably came up with that idea on your own. You don't need <laughs> you don't need me. I like stories in show business about things that almost happened but didn't end up happening. I think everybody by now has heard the story about Ronald Reagan was actually up for Humphrey Bogart's part in Casablanca. And there's hundreds of stories like that. Robert De Niro actually for like a decade 
had the rights to the movie Big that eventually was picked up by Penny Marshall and made with Tom Hanks and all those great support actors in that movie. Hard to imagine anybody else in that role, but originally De Niro wanted it. It was going to be a very dark movie. It was not going to be what, in essence, was a, I don't know, sort of a cross between a romantic comedy and a coming-of-age movie. That's why I like this story. You know, you know, we had Kenny Loggins on the air a couple of years ago, and he told the story about how Toto was actually supposed to do the song Danger Zone for the movie soundtrack of Top Gun. And according to Kenny Loggins, their lawyer screwed something up, and Kenny Loggins just happened to be in the building, in the recording studio building, and they came running over to him, and they said, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, getting ready to go home? Why? Eh, come on with us. And, and the rest is history. And that really spawned a whole cottage industry for Kenny Loggins there. He was doing movie soundtrack songs like crazy. That was what, 85, Top Gun, somewhere right in there. Jim Peterick, who was the front man for the Ides of March. I'm a vehicle, baby. Also, he was in 38 Special and also Survivor. And Sylvester Stallone was going to use Another One Bites the Dust for the big comeback scene in Rocky II. And Freddie Mercury and the boys said, no, no, we don't want that song used in a movie. You can't do it. So now, Celeste Stallone is looking around and goes, you know, that band Survivor, I really like those guys. I'm going to call that guy up. And he left a message for Jim Peterick. And he said, look, uh, they won't let me use another one bites the dust. Can you write something? And Peterick was like, thank you, Freddie. Thank you. And they ended up writing Eye of the Fucking Tiger. I would say that that story turned out pretty good for everybody, huh? And then the song I played this morning on K-Wolf from around every morning at 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 out west. Our stream was down today. Sorry about that. But producers of Friends, before they ever got to the Rembrandts and I'll be there for you, they wanted to use Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. And Michael Stipe and the boys said, Mm-mm, no, can't use it in a TV show. So the Rembrandts get the phone call. And, you know, as I keep saying, the rest is history. I like that story. And as Kenny Loggins will tell you, and a lot of famous entertainers, very, very successful people will tell you, sometimes you just got to be in the right place at the right time with what they are looking for at that time. It's how I ended up in St. Louis. I was in the business for 10 years, working in shitty little towns at bad radio stations. And FM rock stations, if you were around back in the day, that was their last area of concern. FM rock stations were like, oh, you know, afternoons when the kids get out of school and then at night when we can really rock the place and talk about really, really cool stuff. Those are the most important day parts on the radio station. And then somebody figured out it was almost like what happened in television. You know, in television back in the 70s and early 80s, you get up in the morning there was nothing on local TV. There was always some guy like doing a farm report and bringing 4-H animals into the studio. We got us the prize-winning heifer at the Jefferson County Fair here. Let's bring old Bertha in here. And they would find out that old Bertha was not the name of the animal. It was the name of the woman who brought <laughs> brought, the, brought the heifer in. Old Bertha. And you would uh, you know, you'd be sitting there going, you know, I'm not interested in hog prices or grain futures. Isn't there anything else on television? There wasn't. And then somebody figured out, oh, if you put something on that's worth watching, people will watch. And now these morning shows are just cash cows on television. And you even have an award-winning series on, what is it, Apple or 
one of the streaming services, The Morning Show. I haven't watched it. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, John Hamm. Well, the same thing happened in radio. You'd always take the burnout, <laughs> the, the person who had the least amount of talent, was the least interested in doing it, and that you could pay almost nothing to, and just throw that person on in the morning on FM rock stations because nobody cared, and very few people listened at that hour. The The idea was, and I th- this was a very cynical view of things, but the advertisers and the advertising agencies and all the big corporate wigs and everything like that, they thought people who listened to rock stations got up about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon when the sun is warm, one thirty, two o'clock. Like, they're not even up can't listen to the radio. I'm not spending advertising money on a show that nobody's listening to. And then it all changed. And then every radio station on earth was not only looking for some sort of morning show, but they were looking for exactly the kind of morning show that I was doing because it was so successful in places like New York and especially Chicago. And then, of course, Howard Stern came around, and and again, there's that phrase, the rest is history. I think I've told this story before, too. <laughs> I should play this. I haven't played this in ages. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to roll this for you. Here's what happened. There's a uh, broadcast trade magazine, uh, magazine that was around back then called Radio and Records, and it was basically the Bible of the radio and records industry and it would come out every friday and they would mail it to you it was about i don't know i want to say 60 pages you know it just came out like a newspaper and it came a little pouch and you would tear that thing open and everything that was going on in the business you got to remember this is pre-internet and we communicated with one another by phone and letters so there was no real way to disseminate information effectively on a mass basis unless you, you know, bought advertising or national advertising or something like that. So anyhow, Radio and Records back in, I would say it was 85. Yeah, 85. And I don't know how many subscriptions this thing went out to. It had to be just thousands and thousands, though. If you walked into any radio station and walked into the program director's office i could guarantee you there was a fucking copy of radio and records sitting on the desk and a lot of people had their own subscriptions and the reason why was because in the back pages they had the job opportunities and usually there were a lot of them i got a lot of jobs out of those back pages of r&r radio and records and you would just look and they'd say we're looking for a bright peppy sounding midday female and then all the bright sounding peppy females all over the country working in like Fond du Lac would send their tape and their resume to Atlanta trying to get the hell out of Wisconsin. I got the job in St. Louis that way. In that case, it was what they call the blind box. And I'm sure they have them in other industries too, where you don't even know where your tape and resume is going. They just sort of give you a little description of what kind of station it is, give you a rough idea. They might say, well, it's in the Midwest, you know, or something like that. And then you would send your tape and your resume off. You didn't even know who I was getting it. And it would go to a, like a central clearinghouse box of some sort. And then it would get forwarded to the radio station. And the stations would sometimes do that because they didn't want to tip off their competitors that they were about to do something new. And so that's what I did. I sent off my tape and resume. And a couple of months later, all of a sudden, the phone rings and it's St. Louis. And there's that phrase again, the rest is history. So anyhow, in 1985, for, I don't know, I think they maybe did it for about six months, they said, um, send us like a five-minute version of your show. Take out all the music, all the commercials, and just edit it down to about five minutes. Give somebody 
who might be listening to this an idea of what you guys are doing there. And they picked out, I don't know, it seemed like it was maybe a couple of dozen morning shows at some of the big radio stations in America, and we got included. And we were one of the first ones. So one Friday morning back in 1985, when people opened up their copy of Radio on Records, and it didn't matter where you were in the entire country, everybody was getting this. Inside was a little cassette, and the cassette was of us. And so people who ran radio stations all over the country heard us for the first time, and we started getting job offers from all over the country i'm talking new york san francisco chicago la you name it we got a job offer but john didn't want to leave st louis and i didn't particularly want to leave either at that time and i went on a couple of the interviews i went to detroit went to la went to chicago did the interviews but ultimately ended up just staying where i was now do you want to hear the thing you want to hear the tape here it is this we sound like we're about 12 (laughs) both in terms of the sound of our voices and also our content i was i want to say 31 so that would have made john what 27 it's just hard to even think of ourselves at that age but as i hear this and maybe you'll have the same reaction i can understand why we got all those job offers this shit is funny and it especially was funny Back in 1985. <laughs> John, tell us some of your favorite rock groups, will you? Oh, my favorite rock group is a lover boy. Of natu- course. <laughs> of course. Uh, Rush, uh, Frank, Zeppi, Zeppi, and also Ted Nugent. I just thought I would like to tell you my favorite thing on a man. Okay. Number one would be I'd like somebody with a cleaner mouth. Than either of you three, and with much smarter brains than any of you. And will that you, does it. Ooh, will you please go to bed with me? I wouldn't go to bed with you. If you- Barbara Jones was in two <laughs> wrong places at two of the wrong times. Okay. She was in Institute of West Virginia two days ago when the Union Carbide plant leaked. <laughs> and she's going, wow, damn the luck. <laughs> and she was in South Charleston, West Virginia last night when another carbide plant leaked. <laughs> and she's like going, wow, some days it just doesn't pay to get out of bed. <laughs> she also uh, ate some of that Mexican Jalisco cheese a couple of weeks ago and washed it down with some watermelon. She was in Bhopal, India when that, <laughs> when that plant leaked. <laughs> and she used the toilet right after Rock Hudson used it. <laughs> <laughs> she was at that soccer fire in Italy. <laughs> I think she was at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But here with Pat Sajak, what she want? I was wondering if uh, he ever had any sexual relationships with his guest host. <laughs> Isn't this a good idea, Pat? This, this is great. This is great. But here with Pat Sajak, what she want? Yeah, Pat, when are you going to take Van in the backseat of one of those cars? <laughs> there seems to be a theme developing here. I'm here with Bob Eubanks. What you want? Yeah, Bob, you uh, ever go out with Van or White? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Oh, Thank you. Hey, uh, it's Conway. How do you say, guys? Just called to annoy you. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Conway Howard. who? 
Twitty? Oh, sure, sure. How soon you forget? <laughs> How are you doing? None of your business, actually. <laughs> uh, really, no kidding. It's uh, it's sensational what you guys are doing, and I hope that someday uh, we get paid for it. You get paid for it. <laughs> We're talking to Helen Slater, who was the star of Supergirl. Now, when you're not doing movies, what are you doing? Well, I was telling you, I practice yoga quite heavily. Because as an actress, you know, you have your instrument as your body. John, we have our instruments as our body. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'll start playing mine more often then. I just woke up. Uh, who are you guys hating today? Who are we hating today? Yeah. Name somebody. Well, huh? it's your, it's your... Get off. Uh, Brian, just get off. Uh, Brian, I need the phone. Get off. <laughs> Brian, get off, dude. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> We're, we, 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 we hate that guy today. <laughs> Dear John, JC, and DJ, I'm a senior at Afton. Not much goes on here, except we have an exchange student from Namibia. It would be a kick if you would say hi to him some Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during first hour. His name is Fak Yabuti. Fuck your booty. Well, fuck your booty. Thanks a bunch. Keep on rocking. Sincerely, Chip Vanderhagen. Chip, who are you trying to fool? That's right. You just wanted to see if I'd say fuck, fuck out of here, and I did. Now get out of here. <laughs> Except for a brief visit next month, KMOX's radio new host, Arnie Warren, has decided he will not be living with his family for at least another year. What? Arnie's still over there living in the hotel. You know, trying to hit on the cleaning lady. <laughs> so, hey, baby, you know me, Arnie Warren, KMOX? <laughs> I, I just here to, I just here to clean the room, sir. I just here to clean the room. Hey, so come on over here. What do you say? You sit down on the bed here, we'll talk, okay? What, you like St. Louis? Where you been all my life? What's your sign, huh? <laughs> I just here to clean the room, sir. You, you done with the bathroom now? <laughs> Cochran. Yes? Go sell. One must ponder at this point in time what you're still doing on the radio. <laughs> you have a group of cohorts there. The taste factor is nil, and yet they maintain some sort of credibility in the greater St. Louis area. <laughs> Sorry, Howard. Put Billy back on the phone. He's gone. <laughs> Miss Larry Bud Melman, with some advice for all you rock and roll dudes. Guys... Just tell the chicks you listen to J.C. in the morning zoo, and you're in. <laughs> Maybe that's why the management at that station is trying to make people forget I ever worked there, because they ran me out of the place, and they're probably so damned embarrassed, because you hear something like that, and you're like, and again, especially, keeping in mind, this is 1985, I mean, this was groundbreaking, and they still couldn't figure out a way to make it work. It's been a long time since I've listened to that. <laughs> no wonder. No wonder we set the town on fire back in the day. Got a couple of other things to play for you here. Today is the anniversary of the passing of a guy who I became good friends with. You know, it was well into the late 60s, even the early 70s, when if you wanted to find out if a movie was any good, you had to read some long-winded review in the newspaper, you know, written by some guy in a crumpled suit who was using language you didn't even understand. You'd be reading it going, oh, the motherfucker cough up a thesaurus here or something? You just tell me if the movie's any good or not and why. And then along came two newspaper guys, two highly 
competitive newspaper guys who didn't like one another. Now, as time went on, they developed an affection for one another. We're talking about Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, but they were always trying to scratch each other's eyes out. They were always trying to scoop one another. They didn't trust one another with any information. They didn't really talk that much except for when they were doing the various TV shows. And how great were they when they would pop up on The Tonight Show or Letterman and they'd still be arguing with one another? And Gene Siskel was, I got to know Roger a little bit, but I became friends with Gene and got to know him. We spent time together in Chicago, especially on those Cub Cardinal weekends. And he did the show many times. And I would see him on movie junkets in New York and L.A. We would talk then. And uh, Gene was sort of a curmudgeon. And a lot of people did not like him. And I sort of figured it out why he was so grumpy all the time is because he was so influential, along with Roger Ebert, that uh, somebody was always trying to work him. Somebody was always trying to work him over on a movie or a project or just trying to influence his decision and ultimately his criticism or recommendation of a new movie. And I think he probably just figured out, and he never said this to me, but this is what I thought after having talked to him. If you don't talk to anybody... And you just sort of act like some grumpy old man. People will be more likely to leave you alone. And then you just, you know, you do what you do. Well, Gene died on this date, 1999. It was a very, very sad day for me. We had so many great moments during interviews. This one I'm going to play for you. You've heard before. It was the 22nd anniversary of Siskel and Ebert at the movies. And so they set up some satellite interviews. So I sat in the studio in St. Louis at Channel 4. And he sat in his studio in Chicago. And we just talked about the 22nd anniversary of Siskel and Ebert at the movies. Gene, uh, congratulations on 22 years. You know, the cool thing always to say is, hey, we wish you another 22. I don't know what you'd look like or what I'd look like, but what the hell? We'll say it anyhow. Well, Roger and I've always had this fantasy, you know, that if we did another 22, we would have attendant nurses behind us as we were, uh, you know, giving our reviews. Probably the nurses would start talking and be a whole lot more interesting uh, than we were, and that would be the show. I know how you could end the show. You could say, and until then, the balcony is accessible. <laughs> very, very good. Gene, very great good. to talk to you Don't be again. too clever or I'll have to get rid of Roger. <laughs> Thanks, Gene. We'll be watching here on Channel 4 in St. Louis. Great to talk to you. A pleasure, JC. Always. Lost him on this date in 1999. Something is up at the Fox Theater. I don't know what it is. As I'm recording the podcast here, we're a couple of minutes away from this. They started teasing this yesterday. And when theater people get really, really excited about something, it usually has something to do with Hamilton. So I have no idea if that's what the announcement is, but I got a sneaking suspicion. And maybe before we get done recording the podcast here, we will have the necessary information. So I'm holding on. I've never eaten cashew chicken because to me, it seems incongruous. I don't want something that I got to chew like a nut when I'm trying to chew something smooth like a piece of chicken. So the idea of cashew chicken never appealed to me. You go out state in Missouri, I guess it is, and they're just gobbling down the cashew chicken so fast they can't even keep track of it. And now some state legislator out state Missouri wants to wants to have a, a, a resolution. You know, we don't have any problems in Missouri with the current state of the roads or the puppy mills or the lack of, you know, any sort of control of firearms. And that's just for starters. So let's get to the important stuff. Let's get to the important stuff. We need a resolution declaring cashew chicken as the official state meal of the state of Missouri. You know, normal people would be embarrassed 
to be involved with something like that. But we don't get normal people getting into politics anymore. Get screwballs. There is a lovely, uh, attractive, physically fit She's always on doing yoga. A reporter on Channel 4 by the name of Taylor Holt. And just when I was thinking to myself, eh, maybe this chick's got what it takes, she comes along with this. Thanks so much for waking up with us. I'm Taylor Holt. Paul McCartney has been reunited with a bass guitar. The Hoffner bass. What they had was the stolen bass. I'm Taylor Holt. Where do they find these people? All right, windy day in Jupiter today. Yesterday, the Cardinals had their first team meeting. First exhibition game is Saturday against Miami. What the hell is Mizzou going to do without a quarterback? Sam Horn now out for 12 to 15 months. Tommy John surgery. Got a backup coming in. The uh, freshman, Aiden Glover. Maybe a walk-on. Who knows? Birthdays today, Rihanna. And I say Rihanna because that is the correct pronunciation. If you're saying Rihanna, you're saying it wrong. You have to say it like Rihanna. So it's Rihanna, 36, Trevor Noah, 40. Justin Verlander, who's pitched for the Mets, Detroit, Houston, won a World Series with the Astros. And still, somehow, his biggest claim to fame is that he's married to Kate Upton. He's 41 today. Andrea Savage. Oh, do I love this woman. First of all, she is absolutely gorgeous to look at. She's funnier than shit. You might remember her on the True TV series, I'm Sorry, Step Brothers Veep episode. She's 51 today. Big fan of hers. Cindy Crawford, the valedictorian for the DeKalb Barbs. DeKalb, Illinois, back in the day. She's 58. French Stewart, <laughs> strange guy from Third Rock from the Sun is 60. Charles Barkley, just horrible. 61. Patty Hearst interviewed her for the movie Cry Baby. It was the John Hughes movie. He put her in the movie. She's 70 today. Ivana Trump would have been 75. She's busy pushing up golf tees right now. This is the anniversary of that station nightclub fire, the Great White Concert. A hundred deaths. A hundred. They were using pyrotechnic devices that ignited some packing foam near the stage. When you see the video, you got it. You just you look at it, you go, what the hell were they thinking? Fourth deadliest fire in American history. And it was on this date in 2005. The contents of Paris Hilton's T-Mobile sidekick hit the internet. Somebody hacked into it, and let's just say it was a uh, determined performance that most of us men would love to have been on the receiving end of. And this story from St. Louis went national today. The next time you get annoyed at a store clerk for allowing somebody to break the 10 items or less express lane rule, you might want to keep in mind the fact that uh, maybe somebody's going to pull a gun on you. Guy by the name of Jesse Garrett checking out at the Chinooks in New City last Tuesday when an employee walked up to him and said, oh, this is the express lane for people with 10 items or less. And he had more than that. But rather than move, Jesse lifted his shirt to display a handgun in his waistband. The employee backed off, called 911. Cops tracked Jesse down. He was still in the store. He denied having a firearm. But the cops found the loaded gun stashed on a nearby store shelf behind some candy. Jesse admitted to brandishing the gun, but said he did it playfully. Turns out he's a convicted felon, not allowed to have a gun, facing at least two more charges, unlawfully possessing a firearm, and unlawful use of a weapon. Both are felonies. He got off on the 10 items or more charge. 
60-year-old man in a kilt got arrested after walking into two antique stores in Houston, Texas, and then he would shove items up his no-go hole and then put them back on the shelf, or as it's known in San Francisco, browsing. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning, Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m., absolutely free. Spread the word if you can. Tell your friends, co-workers, whatever the case may be, that we are here doing this every day. That helps us out. You may contact me by email anytime, jc at jconthelinecom Facebook, The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. And every morning we're on K-Wolf at 101.5 in St. Louis, 101.7 West of Beyond, and streaming most days at kwolf.com. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy this weather today and tomorrow. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.